My name is Sterni Althaus and I'm a counselor and life coach and member of the ACA. In my work, I love exploring new ideas and resources and hearing about my colleagues who are doing an excellent job extending themselves beyond their work in the community. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Mrs. Candace Meisels. Candace, you have been an example to me with your important work in Sydney and especially with the recent adoption of a young child in addition to all your work with your career and family. Candace, can you tell me about your background in business and marketing and specifically how you came to adopt this beautiful baby girl? Yes, sure. Thank you for having me. Um, so I studied um, a Bachelor of Business um, Honours degree in marketing in South Africa where I was born. And I guess I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I'd already set up a little marketing consultancy at age 18 where I used to hire other marketing and business students. And um, it was just I used to put like a fee on top of their um, like a percentage on top of their hourly rate and hire them out to companies to do promotions and research. Um, so I guess I was kind of born with that entrepreneurial background. And when I finished studying, I got a job in the video game industry in South Africa. And that opened a door globally to a lot of um, companies in the US and in the UK and Europe, which was obviously um, Hashem's plan because um, I met my husband and he was based in the UK and I got a job at Disney and um, we lived in the UK for um, three years and then when I moved to Australia I decided to do some freelancing to get a feel for the PR agencies and the media world and build those relationships um, here and that was um, 10 years ago and um I realized that no one wanted to work with um, small businesses, with startups, and with um, businesses that have generally less funding and money and resources. So I set up a PR consultancy in 2013, um, which is almost nine years ago, and I've helped hundreds of small businesses, startups, and businesses that are scaling and growing with their publicity and um, public relations so I kind of feel like I'm a channel between businesses' stories and people's stories and the media as well as their customers. Wow, that so sounds bringing, like a lot of accomplishment. <laughs> so bringing up the adoption element, so it was actually through my work. I met a lady, I was a keynote speaker at a conference in Melbourne for women in business. And I met a lady who's the CEO of a a holiday company in South Australia who was one of the judges and she told me that she never had any of her own biological children but she was a foster carer and at the time she was fostering five children she has three now in her care but at the time it was five and I was just I was blown away by her story so I said to her I have to share your story and create brand awareness for um, you and for foster care in in Australia so um, she flew to Sydney and she did a photo shoot and a feature with Marie Claire magazine and in the end, I landed up inspiring myself, but her story inspired me to start looking in my own life. And I knew that we already um, were in chaos. We have no family support here in terms of our parents are both overseas and 
I think once you had three kids, you're pretty much living in a chaotic lifestyle. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could foster and teach the children to open their hearts and to give back as well? Wow, that's amazing. First of all, I'd like to stop you for a second on the fact that you're helping with startups, because just this week in the Rambam, in the yearly cycle, we learn about the eight levels of tzedakah, the highest level being giving someone a job or a loan to start a job so that they become self-sufficient. So it's really Hashkaha project that we're talking about it this week. And it's beautiful and that you're involved in so many charitable causes, helping others to start and looking, you know, after a young child who, you know, a couple of months ago, this would have not been on your radar. It's quite amazing how much you do in such a short amount of time. Um, And that brings me to the word that I really, really, really find so empowering, especially today, the word resilience. And I'm wondering, you know, Candace, do you think this term is still relevant in regards to life today? Yes. Um, so resilience is needed now more than ever. Of course, with the pandemic and lockdowns and families being separated and living far apart, never mind life challenges when it comes to all the stresses that come with relationships, work, financial stress, health, children, we need to pick ourselves up and be resilient more than ever. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just picking up as well. You said your family's overseas. Mine is as well. I haven't seen my parents for almost two years now, and it's starting to get really hard. It's very difficult. So I'd be curious, you know, what are your three points from your work in life that we can all take away for us in our workplace or our relationships to balance home and work because there's a lot going on individually and collectively and you know with our families we can't see them so we don't have that point of reference as well i'm curious i know i've thrown a lot at you but can you give me three points that you could share with the listeners how you balance your work and life Yep. So number one, I don't believe there is such a thing as balance. Um, I don't think that perfection exists. So you simply cannot give everything your attention at one time. It's just not possible. So instead of balance, what I do is I learn to compartmentalize and prioritize. I'm mindful and focus on what I'm doing at the moment rather than focusing on balance. So that's my first tip is compartmentalize and prioritize. Yep. Very good. So do you do that with lists or mentally? How do you compartmentalize? Both. Both. So um, in my mind, when it's with all the kids and their different needs, they each have a box in my mind and they they go in my mind. The same thing with my clients, because obviously I work with multiple businesses um, at the same time in completely different spaces. So and I do do lists as well for my work. Um, And then I guess technology I use a lot as well with my work. So yeah, um, compartmentalizing really helps me to keep stay sane and not get overwhelmed. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Is there any and other then, tips you can give us? Yes. Yeah. So the second one is to find your own voice and identity. So if you peel away all those layers, so being a mum or a daughter or a sister, a wife, an employee, peel away all those layers and find who are you underneath all of them and listen to that voice inside that guides you. Even if sometimes it means being unconventional, you need to follow your own path and listen to your own truth and voice. And then the third one, The third one is boundaries. 
it's something I only learned recently. I'm naturally very like an um, an empath, and um, I take on other people's problems. But recently, I've had to learn that some things are bigger than me, and you can support without um, taking the actual problem on. And um, because I learned that you cannot care if you don't look after yourself, and that we burn out if we filling from an empty vessel. So boundaries are really important. So absolutely, those are the three. And yeah. that third one really resonates with me. I actually just put a Facebook post up today that for those of us who are dual citizens or living far away from home, we need to go home and fill up our bucket so we can come back and give to our new host culture or country that we're in or even our own family. And the fact that we've been restricted from going home to fill up our buckets and our host and our home families, you know, our roots, going back to our roots, that's been very difficult. And um, I really appreciate what you're saying. In addition about the boundaries, you know, like you're right, we must make sure that we give ourselves self-care so that we can give to others because otherwise you're coming from a very empty vessel and you won't be able to give. That's so right. And I'm wondering yes. then with all the uh, advancements in maternal health and well-being and mental health, why are women still struggling so much? So I think that women struggle because of the pressure of modern day life and demands that come with it. The mental load is a huge factor as there's always something to do or something to remember. And as women and mothers, we generally take that mental load on um, naturally. And it's important to realize that it's okay and normal to make mistakes and to have bad days. Of course, if you need professional help, you can see a therapist, a counselor such as yourself or a GP. Um, but I think that women worry also about what other people think. And that's just an um, extra worry that we don't need. We should just focus on our own lanes. Yeah. Um, another thing is that the village is dispersed. As we were saying, each family unit is struggling in their own way. Many people have family overseas. So the village is dispersed. So as with immigration and even now with the pandemic, um, how can we get back to building that that village so whether that's asking for help or giving help and we need to go back to that village kind of lifestyle in the best way that we possibly can absolutely and it's interesting you bring it up because just recently in our own community a number of our good friends lost parents overseas they could not travel and immediately the community we got together organized rosters for meals for visits for babysitting and it's amazing we become the new family we become the family that they don't have for each other. It's beautiful. And yeah, so, it's amazing. Yep. And that is the, I really believe the core value in the Jewish community of being family for others and being family for yourself also means looking after yourself first, you know, um, exactly. what are your core beliefs in treating yourself well as a woman? Because you wear so many hats, you know, from Disney to, you know, your adoption now that you've gone through to the counseling to the uh you've you've given um you said that you were speaking in melbourne so how do you treat yourself well as a woman what is your self-care regimen so so i think um that you need to believe in yourself like it's all about inner work as well as self-care externally so believing in yourself um having faith um in hashem emona um so also being gentle and kind having gratitude and um, realizing that change is inevitable um, and then obviously when you're not in lockdown or if you are in lockdown think little things like a cup of tea or coffee reading a book and um, having a nap can do wonders and also going for a walk on the beach or wherever is your happy place 
um, there's lots of things that you in a natural environment. I, I love walking in nature, um, going for a walk on the beach, drinking a cup of coffee, just small things um, that add up to to fill us and refuel. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. I'm just curious, as an aside, spiritually filling yourself up. Are you um, a listener to podcasts or do you study or learn some interesting um you know, concepts from the Torah, does that come into it at all? Um, so we are, we, we Shomer Shabbos. So we have that, um, obviously that break on Shabbos, which the family time and the time with, when we're not in lockdown, friends and family is really refueling. And um, yes, I do read a lot of books. Um, yeah. So that's how I, and I, I consume a lot of articles online. Um, yes. And, podcasts are also good. Yes, no, that's great. So it sounds like you know how to do self-care and to share that with others, which is so important. We got to tell our friends. A lot of our friends feel guilty when they go into the self-care mode. They feel like maybe I should be doing something else. Maybe I should be focusing on something else, somebody else, which we naturally go to as women. We're putting ourselves last. But um, how can we use these core values in our relationship with our children, our spouses, and teens? So I try and teach my children to believe in themselves. I've only got daughters, so it's so important for them to believe in themselves and to believe that they have a role to play here in the world. Mm -hmm. We're all here to serve and we all have different strengths and weaknesses that we, um, we're all different, but those strengths and weaknesses enable us to um, perform the roles that we're meant to perform on in, in this world. And I also teach them that everyone makes mistakes. No one's perfect. It's really important to be kind to them themselves and for self-care if one of them is having a bad day then sometimes I will let them stay home from school and just have that mental health break mm -hmm. um obviously Hashem and faith and Shabbos and Judaism is very important to them they go to um a religious school so they get there from home as well as we battle to shiver those so the a lot of the knowledge that we don't have they get from school which is great mm -hmm. and I also teach them to be grateful and give back show compassion yeah. Um, and with our adoption and fostering, that's what one of the aims were. I wanted them to open their hearts and become compassionate people. That is so beautiful. And that was my next question. Can you give us a personal example of the resilience tools that help you personally or that has, you know, come to light in this recent adoption that you've gone through? Yes. Yeah, so um, with the adoption, I realized that um, accepting that some situations are beyond my control and just learning to let go with the flow. We never knew what was going to happen when we were going to get the next court date, um, if um, the birth family was going to visit or not. And then obviously with the pandemic, things changed as well. So just learning to go with the flow and that some things are beyond our control. Um, when I felt anxiety or the need for self-care, I went for a walk or had a cup of tea or coffee and read a book, a nap, a hot shower, um, just small things like that just to help um, alleviate any anxiety. Um, I also think it's really important to seek help, whether that's from like your religious leader, your rabbi, a mentor. Um, there are lots of people that I did seek support from in the process. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also keep things real. I think it's really important to have real conversations. Um, mm-hmm. So um, with other people, I'm very open about the foster and adoption journey, which helps to talk about it because it's cathartic for me, but it also helps others. And I believe and, it also um, normalizes the concept that it's something that your neighbor next door, your good friend is going through. Maybe that would open the window for other people to adopt. What are your thoughts? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So it's so important. I'm a huge believer in sharing our stories, regardless of um, the challenges that we've been through to inspire others um, to live their best life and to share their own stories. Beautiful, beautiful. And Candice, may I ask when you tie in the adoption story with COVID. I mean, that is an exceptional thing to bring another child into your home while, you know, we're going through COVID restrictions and lockdown and challenge, homeschool, Zoom. How do you do it? So she was with us before the lockdown and everything. There was just um, extra rules around. At that stage, we were in two systems. We were in the foster care system, which has its own um, different people and paperwork that we had to tick. And then obviously the adoption system. So it was it was a huge mental load to take on. And um, it wasn't easy. It definitely caused delays um, for, to court processes and the adoption was delayed because of the pandemic. But as I said, some things we just can't control and we have to just learn to go with the flow and accept the situation. Absolutely. And how old is this beautiful girl that you've adopted? So she's been with us since birth and she's turning three, please God, in October. Wow, wow. I understand you might be from the few that are still, you know, running to adopt in traumatic times. It's it's a difficult thing to do. And I'm wondering, why do you think this is so? Why do you think there's so, so much resistance to it? Is it the red tape? Is it the difficulty in changing family dynamics? I think it's all of the above. I think that there is a lot of red tape, but I also think life is hard. People already have heavy loads. Perhaps they don't want to take on what's perceived to be a heavier load and um, with a birth family it's open adoption in Australia so you're getting into the birth families um, um, you have to have like a cultural plan and you have to gather information and kind of put the child's piece of puzzles together to get a fuller picture of who they are which is really important for them so maybe it's just too much work for some people and and that's okay we all here to do different things and just because you don't want to foster or adopt there could be another way that you could help out your community or um, your village mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also to invite this beautiful girl and make her feel part of the community as well there's a role for the yeah. community to play as well. The community has been amazing. Yeah, the community has been amazing. And she feels no different to to our other girls. So it was obviously Hashem's plan that he wanted the soul to be with our family. Absolutely. And you know that it says that Abraham and Sarah, which were the most amazing, loving couple in Judaism, they couldn't have children for many, many years. Sarah was 90 when she had a child. Yet every time they were intimate, they created souls. And these are the souls of those who come into our community of their own will. For example, conversion students or um, adopted children who belong now to the Jewish community. Can you tell us um, a little bit about, you know, how that ties in? Did your daughter have to do anything specific to join our nation or, or is that something she makes a decision later on? Um, so she, so obviously we are observant Jewish families. So as I said, we keep um, Shomrai and Kashrut and the, the girls go to a religious school. So she, um, 
she did join our family and take on all those customs from even as a baby, like our Shabbos table. She came to us actually just before Shabbos. She arrived and we hosted a lunch the next day for the Shabbos project and people mm. saw us with this little baby and we hadn't even told them about her. At mm. that stage, it was short-term care. She, she wasn't um, going to be staying with us. She was going to go back to her birth family. Mm. But things changed. And um, yes, yeah, so she, we did convert her. She had to go to the Mekfa and be converted. Um, recently um, because with many of Holocaust survivors and immigrants there wasn't paperwork and mm. um, yeah she she's now officially part of the community but I guess her, her neshama and um, she's always been a part of our family and the community but it's official now. That is so beautiful so the word adoption I mean do you think the word is relevant how do we mesh you know that word with with the natural family with the birth family and you know you said you have other daughters who are i'm sure you know close to each other how do we get children who feel entitled to all of mom and dad's attention to accept another child did you have to do work yeah. with them um so the word adoption in australia it's open adoption which i think makes it more beautiful because it means that you including and you're not judging the birth family because we all the same and we all from Hashem at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that the word open adoption is much more inclusive and it's more open and transparent, which I think it's important so that kids don't um, find out later in life and have a, all that um, anger and resentment because they found out about adoption later in life. So my daughter knows she has a tummy mummy and she has me and she's really lucky that she has two mummies mm -hmm. and um with the other girls, we kept them involved. The older two, at the time, we spoke to them about foster care before we did it. And we got their thoughts and their feelings um, about it so that we included them in the process. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for children to learn to share, whether you have um, two kids or whether you have multiple kids or whether you have a child who's in foster care adoption. Kids need to know how to share so that they can cope in the world because even though they have a special contribution to make to our world, they have to learn how to act as a team because we all need to act as a team to make the world a better place. That so is beautiful. I also think it's important for kids to be grateful and appreciate the one-on-one -on -one time and attention from a parent. Mm -hmm. And it's important for them to learn how to deal with emotions such as jealousy, frustration, and anger. Um, but of course, um, parents may want to get the advice of a psychologist or counsellor on the best way to handle all of this. And I'm definitely mm -hmm. not an expert and there's no right or wrong answer. Adoption may work for some families and for others it may not work. And in our situation, we were already in a busy, chaotic family with four daughters. So adding another daughter to our um, pink household worked out beautifully. Wow. And so your husband, can you tell us what it was like for him? How, how was it? Uh, was it a team effort in the beginning? Did he have to be encouraged or how did that work? So, so I was really blessed. And I think that that's why it was Hashem's plan is he never, ever questioned um, when I said, oh, I think, you know, we should look into fostering. He never questioned me. He came to the information evenings. They came to our house um, at that time and we went through training together. He really just 
we went through the process together and I think that that must have been Hashem's doing because I have no idea how how he he was willing to do that especially because we yeah we already had four I just had a baby my youngest was three months I think at the time so and she was also a preemie baby but he was amazing he and my youngest daughter have the most special bond he bottle fed her first um in the hospital we went to go meet her in the hospital the night before she came to us um I was still nursing but I wasn't allowed to nurse her um Mm. so he used to get up at night when I was still getting up for the other preemie baby he used to get up for our little one and he bottle fed her and the bond between them is so strong even today it's just so beautiful to see they have such a special bond wow that is beyond beyond the f- compassion that your husband felt. I mean, to get up in the middle of the night, even with a natural baby is difficult. How much more yeah. so? It's side by side. It kind of feels like he got an experience of what a mom goes through after birth. I mean, you were just fresh after birth. So watching you yeah, and doing yeah. it with you simultaneously, that is the most beautiful thing. It's almost like twins. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, so they call it Irish twins, apparently. But um, yeah, sh- sh- he he's always been amazing, though. He's a very hands-on father. So whilst I nursed all the others, he did used to help me um, where he could. He's always been very hands-on. And I think that that's also important to show the girls that I hope one day, please God, that they marry people who are hands-on because it's not only the woman who should have to do everything. Absolutely. You know what? We're four sisters and one brother, thank God. But my dad was an amazing father to the girls. It's not easy to be father to girls. Um, but there is a beautiful bond, father-daughter, and obviously also mother-daughter. But I think it's yes. really special that you highlight the father-daughter relationship and how much they can add in that dynamic. You know, it's it's important. I think fathers have a role to play, a big role, as well as mothers. But it's not as much um, promoted, if you know what I'm saying. Like the father-daughter, yes. Yes. we don't hear much about that in um, society, which we should. I think it's really important. And starting from a young age, not just, you know, when they're old enough to talk and have a relationship, but from a baby age, that bonding and attachment is so important. Yeah, it is. And I think it's changing. I think like thinking of um, friends and um, community members, I think that dads are definitely so much better than they were like 10 years ago or like. Absolutely. um, Definitely changing. Yeah. I mean, how many dads do you see walking around Bondi with a baby strapped to their chest? That's something special and beautiful. We didn't see that yeah. 20 years ago and a baby born. No, it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. And it's I'm just really, showing the world so is getting grateful. Yeah, the yeah. world is getting ready for a more feminine world, for a more peaceful world, which is kind of really what Mashiach is, a more interconnected world. And there's no, you know, there's no reason why dads cannot bond in this way with their children. And I think that's very empowering. And it's beautiful to see the young couples with the fathers, you know, bottle feeding or pushing the baby around so the wife can have a rest. And I actually wanted to ask you on that point, um, you know, with your girls, how have their friends reacted? Have they come home with questions from their friends? Is this something that's... Yes. Yes, so um, I've had questions from friends at the school, actually, but I've either, if I've known the mother, I've gone back to the parent because I feel like it's the parent's place to um, 
educate the child. I don't want to say the wrong thing and step on someone else's toes. It's not my place. And I did flag it with the school. I think it was last year's year three group were really concerned about when she's going to be adopted and they all adore her and she's so Mm -hmm. loved by so many children Mm -hmm. at the school and at our shul that they all were worrying about her and so I did flag it with the parents and also with the school and the school did show the children a video about adoption and about how families um, are different which I think is really important um, but I don't want to go educate other people's children it's not my my job to do I that so actually I, yeah um, on that point I remember a young girl in our community also was adopted at a very young age came to shul from another culture so there were like differences as well um, and she was so much beloved and taken in in the class. Uh, at one point, her uh, adoptive mother came into the school to talk about it and to normalize it for the girls in the class. But she's grown up as one of them. Thank God she got married. Thank God my husband and I had the schut to walk her down to the chuppah. Um, unfortunately, oh, wow. her, unfortunately, her adopted mother passed away, a, a lovely neighbor of ours. So you know, I just saw how much a beautiful neshama can become part of our nation. And if everybody plays their role, you know, it's just a natural thing. It's beautiful. And I really yeah, thank yeah. you for doing that and for bringing your story out. That's the only way to teach, by modeling, by showing it and not just keeping it inside. And to be honest, I think, you know, if people can give you a hand and in whatever way that is, giving you a break or a hand with, with her or the others, and, and normalizing the concept of we're all really family, you know? It's not just you, yeah. everybody's daughter, so to speak. That's really, yes. can I take you back yeah. for, if you don't mind, just one more question. When talking about marketing, you know, can you tie in the concept of your marketing and helping others with their startups and kind of what you're doing? I mean, there's a very, very continuous thread here. You're giving and you're, you're connecting and you're making connections all the time. How has that impacted your work, you know? Yes, so I'm very, I'm known in with the media here in Australia and I'm, I'm very authentic and real and um, like public relations as a field um, is often known to be superficial and I'm the yeah. complete opposite. So I'm all for being open and vulnerable and authentic and connecting with people. And yeah. I do believe that I'm here to, to serve and to, to love and to help um, people. And that means with startups and small businesses, I empower them to share their stories, which is how they often get into the media, or I empower them to share their expertise and to get over their imposter syndrome, which is mainly women who have that. But I definitely, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I I know that this is completely your line of work, so you completely understand, but I'm awful. People need to share their stories, whether that's, um, in the business world or if they've got a charity or things that they've overcome so that they they can help other people because you never know by sharing your story just like that lady um shared her story with me that she's a foster carer inadvertently she landed up saving a life because we Absolutely. landed up adjusting down the track just because she shared a story with me you know and I'm so grateful Absolutely. And there's two points I wanted to say. Number one, that your story is coming out now as an orthodox woman who was so highly accomplished and has chosen to become orthodox and taken on this role of adoption. You have so much to teach the world. And because you're in the media, just a little um, point I want to bring out. You can really highlight the fascinating aspect that orthodox women rock and that orthodox Jewish women have 
no windows or, or roofs on top of us. If we want to get an education, we can. If we want to work in the media, we can. Obviously, within keeping with the Torah, uh, the Torah's um, idea of, of a beautiful Jewish woman keeping a beautiful Jewish home, but that there is no rule that is holding back anyone from being in any industry. And if it's media, if it's makeup, if it's counseling, if it's teaching, if it's uh, marketing, whatever it is, women have a very big role to play, Orthodox women especially. And we're also holding down the fort as the Orthodox mom at home with Shabbos and guests and Yontif. That's a whole another layer on top of it. And I really think you're in a unique position to showcase the power of the Orthodox Jewish woman, whether we're born into it or not, or for in your case, chosen, it's an incredible opportunity to showcase what you do to the world as an Orthodox woman and bring you know, the beauty of that out into the universe. I think it's really important. Um, maybe oh, thank you. Yeah, good point. show you as an example of an amazing Orthodox woman, Candice, doing your best, you know, being an example, helping others do their best. Really, you are in a very unique position. I just had to put that out there. Oh, and thank you. I'm still, I'm still learning though. And as I said, um, because I'm Baal Shiva, um, I would say I'm more modern Orthodox um, mm -hmm. because I, we only started keeping Shabbos um, and all the, maybe about eight years ago. So we're still learning. So I know our girls will have a, a much stronger foundation, which is amazing and a blessing for them. And I always let them know what a blessing it is that they're going to have that foundation and that knowledge. Absolutely. And you know what? You're empowering them by everything you're doing through all that. You're showing them you can be a strong woman within the Torah world and showcasing that you can do both if you just put your mind to it with a support. Yeah. Yeah. And there are lots of women like yourself. And there's another amazing woman, Tamar Krebs, in the community who um, I've worked with her. I've done public relations for Group Homes Australia. And she was a Rabbitson and she is she's helped so many patients and she's built this um, business group homes australia and she's amazing as well so there's there are lots of women like that absolutely we need to showcase and highlight these beautiful women especially we're in australia the secret of the world we need to get this out there and empower other women worldwide you know COVID has taught me one thing someone can sneeze in china and the whole world shuts down someone can sneeze in sydney and i can't go see my parents in overseas one person has huge impact how much more so a good impact? One person's message has an impact. And that's what you've been saying continuously. Somebody got up and spoke at a conference and now you've adopted a daughter. That is exactly yeah. the point of the, the flip side, the good point of how much difference one person can make. And I, yes, really, I think that that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed interviewing you and hearing your story. And I'd love to do a part two, especially about where you highlighted women holding back for different reasons um, and how to get women to move ahead. I would love to do that at some point. I really want to thank you for your time and to catch up again with you. And um, in this world of, of Zoom studies, we're all in lockdown even more so. So thank you again. And Hashem thank you. Thank you for having me. An honor. Hashem should bless you for your efforts, for showing all of us that you can be in the world and be an Orthodox mom. You can adopt and have a family of your own. You can be a mom and have a supportive husband beside you. And we don't have to be perfect, right? Correct, amen. Yes, we don't have to be perfect. No one's perfect. But I bless us that our world should become more perfect and we should have the Mashiach and we should just uh, have safety and security and that all of us can be again with our family.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Candice. Thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. Candace. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.